Spider-Man No Way Home absolutely exploded at the box office with a $260 million debut in the US, the second biggest opening ever. But it also blew our minds away. So let's talk about it. I'm Roger Chang, this is your Daily Charge. Joining me in this discussion is, of course, resident Marvel expert Sean Keen. As with other movie discussions, this one will be absolutely filled with spoilers, so be warned. If you haven't seen this film and are interested, please pause and come back to this episode later. All right, final warning. Great. Let's get into it. Sean, what did you think of the film? So-so, meh? I thought it was pretty <laughs> Um, uh, as I think many uh, Spidey fans do it's it's too early to say where it definitively ranks among all the Spidey movies uh, since I've only seen it once so far and many of the others have nostalgia behind them but it's high Uh, what did you think? I I was uh, I was pretty blown away as as I mentioned in in the introduction it was fantastic I, I, I agree like I came out thinking like, this is the greatest Spider-Man movie ever. But I also know that there was a level of recency bias and just that excitement from seeing some of these moments uh, from this film, which, um, you know, some of them were kind of spoiled and, and some of them we we speculated upon. But even kind of going in and knowing or having an idea of what you're going to see, it still was surprising and just really, really effective. Yeah. So what 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 for you? Well, let's you know what. Let's just get into it. Let's just get into the since we're already talking about spoilers. Let's just jump into the big moment. At least for me, two key moments that set off sort of the the third act, which is the introduction of Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield. Uh, I have a question for you because uh, you are a keen Spider-Man fan. I'm curious how quickly it registered to you that that was Andrew Garfield. When when Ned opened up that portal, because it was like a little Spider-Man, and then I didn't quite get it. It just it took me a while to process it. But I've been like I I was reading some you know messages that or commentary about how hardcore fans could sort of tell by the like the shape of the eyes, like before he like hopped out of the portal. And like I'm curious when you realize, oh, this is it. This is the moment we're gonna see it. It was the second. It was like it was a Spider-Man in the portal. It just it, like logic kind of made sense it, that it it would be. This was the moment to introduce them at, at a, because it was just after uh, Aunt May was killed and it was a, the darkest hour and to bring in hope. And yes, the shape of the eyes. So the, I was really glad to see the Amazing Spider-Man 2 suit uh, again, because that is based on uh, what it looks to me like the art of uh, Mark Bagley. And he does the big eyes, um, the big white eyes. And it was it was super cool to see that. They're very distinctive. They're quite different to Tom Holland's. Uh, they're relatively close to Tobey Maguire's, but still distinctive. Yeah. And so what was it like in the theater that you watched it in? Uh, you know, my I, 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 I chose to go to a theater that was far less crowded for obvious health reasons. And I, I somewhat regretted that aspect because basically no one cheered, no one reacted. You can sort of hear some murmurings, but it wasn't like it would have been had this been pre-pandemic and this was like a packed theater full of fans. I'm curious what how how folks kind of reacted to it and how you reacted to seeing uh, Andrew Garfield and then Tommy McGuire. Uh, so I was in a packed theater, um, which was amazing and uncomfortable at the same time. <laughs> I, wa- I was wearing two masks. Um, I thought about wearing three masks in honor of the three Spider-Man I suspected we were going to see. 
Um, but yeah, everyone freaked out. Like this was a very reactive audience, uh, which which is exactly what you need. Um, and yeah, everyone lost their minds multiple times in the movie. And the appearance of the two Spider Men uh, was was the big one. Uh, yeah, and you know, I guess to the point about this still being somewhat surprising is like I, I had a vague inkling that they would probably show up. There were lots of rumors, but I assumed it would be for like a climactic battle against all the villains. They'd come in at the last minute, say hello, get the audience reaction, but no, like they were actually significant supporting players and really contributed to the development of Tom Holland's character, which I thought was uh, really refreshing. Like it wasn't like a cheap gag or anything like that. It was, uh, there was a real reason for why these Spider-Men, Spider-Men, appeared. Yeah, that, that the, having that emotional connection with Tom Holland and yeah, cr- contributing to his character development was key. It's it's kind of ingenious, like to to be able to trade on that nostalgia and the like. We spoke about the rumors, like we all kind of knew this was coming, but mm-hmm. like until it happened, you couldn't be sure. Like, right, uh, which was um, which is just great to not have it confirmed beforehand. Uh, was ideal um and like obviously like the second it it the movie aired anywhere um it was gonna it was gonna get out people were gonna have a properly spot for them and what what did you think about the 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 fact that you know like you said in in tom holland's spider-man's darkest moment they were there to kind of emotionally support him in this and and you no, know, that's when the whole great power, great responsibility line, and the fact that they all kind of shared their their loss, like that was actually fairly deep for an MCU movie, right? To 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 have this moment of shared grief. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's it's obviously like heightened in that it's shared grief between three people who are kind of the same person, right? Um, uh, kind of, uh, but yeah, it was it was certainly powerful and affecting. Um, in I would say a unique way. It's not like you can get like twenty years worth of uh, like differing continuities and weave them together like that often. Yeah. And to have everyone caring about it, um, it was unique. I would say uh, I don't think any other film series has that exact emotional connection. Like there have been a lot of Batman, for instance, but. Right. They feel, they feel they feel more fragmented, and they are. That's a longer time period. It's. I don't see all the Batman ever coming back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You never know. You know, you never know, and you know. Well, we we know Michael Keaton is coming back at some point next year with the the Flash movie, but I, it's hard for me to see how they would have to do something completely different for that to work. And they obviously couldn't make the same play. There, like you said, there there's a emotional connection to the various Spider-Man films, and um, they're just recent enough, although, you know, the, the original one is, at this point, what, 20 years old? Um, but they're like... Years but year, the, yeah. in terms of that period, like, it's just the right time frame where, like, y- you can have folks who have, like myself, who, who've seen all the films and have some level of emotional connection. Although, I, I admittedly was not a big fan of the Andrew Garfield Amazing Spider-Man films, uh, I was pretty critical of them, but I thought retroactively, like this film seemed to make those films a little bit better, or at least gave Andrew Garfield, um, you know, another opportunity to um, to really kind of put his imprint on Spider Man. I thought he did a fantastic job. 
Absolutely. I think he was he was the standout uh, of the Spider-Man. Uh, he was so charming. And like, it's only been seven years since his last movie. Yep. But like his presence just an, uh, was a nice reminder that in many ways, he's the strongest Spider-Man actor. And he got saddled with one all right movie in Amazing Spider-Man and a bloated mess with Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yes. Uh, I, I, I did like though how they they sort of paid off that moment. The end of the the second Amazing Spider-Man work when Stacy dies, he fails to save her. Uh, MJ falls in this movie, and he gets a chance to kind of redeem himself. Like that was one of those moments that I actually kind of got emotional, even though I never got emotional in any of those Amazing Spider-Man movies. But seeing Andrew Garfield's reaction, especially after he saves MJ, and like the realization and the catharsis, it was uh, just extremely effective surprisingly effective right yes and yeah well it definitely helps that we care a lot about that mj uh, yes and to, to see those two interacting was really cool uh well let's let's switch gears to the the villains because obviously that was another what would have been a surprise but actually got spoiled and, and ended up being in the marketing campaign but the introduction of doc ock uh green goblin sandman uh lizard and Electro, did I get them all? I think I got them all. Um, what did you think of the villains and how the villains were used in the story? Because I think that was another aspect of it that was a little surprising. It wasn't just uh, Spider-Man versus a, well, not a Sinister, a Sinister Sticks minus one, right? Yeah, Sinister Five, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought, I was really excited for Doc Ock because he was heavily emphasized in the marketing mm-hmm. and uh, he, he was an amazing villain. An incredible villain. We'll try and avoid the word amazing um, in Spider-Man 2. Uh, but I was super surprised and delighted by Green Goblin. He was just the standout. He 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 got to use his Green Goblin face. He, he lost. <laughs> he, he shattered that silly helmet almost immediately. And he looked more like the comic one. And he was terrifying. Like, he killed Aunt May. Um, yep. And, yeah. Like he was a, he he felt he went back and forth between Norman Osborn and Green Goblin because of like his kind of unstable personalities, um, and it created this uncertainty around him. And then when he went bad, it felt like a massive betrayal because he was so lovely as Norman. He was, he was. I, I think that he was that his portrayal of Norman was really key to selling you on the idea that it was Peter's mission to save these villains as opposed to try to just send them back home and condemn them to death. Although in my mind, it was still, I was still calculating like, was that really, I know that's what superheroes are supposed to do, but like the loss, if you just sort of balance it out, the, the loss of lives, including Aunt May, and who knows how many countless innocent lives versus, you know, doing the right thing. I, the part of me was still like, is that, this is like the kind of calculation that comic book movies can move, make, but would you make in real life? I agree. Yeah, like I when when even when Peter was like kind of defying Doctor Strange, uh, like I would have gotten along with Strange. I was like, yep, let's not mess with reality here. Yeah. Um, but so, like that was silly, and it was the kind of element you overlook. And to be honest, like look, Marvel movies are generally silly enough. Their tone is is loose, so you just kind of roll with it. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I do agree though. Like I feel like on balance. He probably did bad. <laughs> well, I, I want to talk about the ending in, 
uh, particular and the sort of sacrifice he makes, right? Like at the beginning of the movie, he asks Doctor Strange to, you know, make everyone forget that he's Spider-Man. Um, but then he starts throwing in all these exceptions, right? It's sort of like, uh, this is the spell that I want on my terms. But at the end, you know, he asks Doctor Strange to basically erase him. And that that was more of a, you could see there was a bit of like a character arc there, right? Where he was making a final sort of fully selfless request um, that would save the multiverse or save everyone. Um, but then it also kind of, it, it puts Spider-Man, it, it's sort of like back to basics with Spider-Man, right? Like he's, no one knows who he is. He's living in a dumpy apartment. He has no one, um, but he's still out there and he's got a new suit. What, what did you think of that ending and sort of the status quo it's set up? for you know future spider-man movies i mean aside from the fact that it's all very silly uh, i can't stop thinking about the fact that, like that's this is ridiculous but uh it was great it, like honestly like that sort of back to basics approach because i think one of the issues with tom holland spider-man is that he has been super he's had loads of technology behind him he's been super dependent on tony stark's yes. stuff Yes. Uh, but like we saw that that's no longer the case because like he has a sewing machine and like a like I guess a, like a, a cloth costume um, at the end. Uh, so, yeah, that back, back to basics is right down to his equipment. Um, and that's really cool. It Yeah. Like so there was a storyline like this in the comics where um, Spidey made a, a deal with Mephisto. Uh, to save Aunt May and have his secret identity restored, um, and it was kind of a back to the back to basics approach, um, and that was almost universally hated. Right. But the period afterwards, which is known as Brand New Day, is pretty beloved. It's great stuff, um, and hopefully the next trilogy of movies, because we have to work in trilogies all the time now, right. um, uh, will. Just it's a sense that it could go anywhere from here, which I felt at the the end of Far From Home as well, when his identity was revealed. And that's the best way for movies to be to leave us. Yes. Yeah. And I I, I find myself extremely excited for what Spider-Man, you know, what we see from Spider-Man in the future. I mean, given your I want to tap your comic book expertise, that brand new day arc you talked about or arc, but storyline like. What do you sort of see, and knowing that obviously there's comic book stories and, and MCU films don't go one-to-one, but like, what are you hoping to see with this kind of new stripped-down Spider-Man? Uh, more kind of street-level adventures I would like to see. Um, like, it, the movie reintroduced uh, Matt Murdock as Daredevil yes. from the Netflix show, and they know each other now. Um, well, I guess, do they know each other because well, they they know. Well, they probably not. He probably forgot. Yeah. By, by the way, I loved your point in the review or the one of the your ending explainer where you like bring up the point that like if everyone's forgotten him, does that mean like he doesn't have a social security number or a passport? Like what? How does like in my mind? One of the things I thought about was like how did he get that Manhattan apartment? Because there is no way you can get an apartment in Manhattan without like offering you up ten forms of ID and bank checks and all that other stuff. Yeah, it's it, there's there, there are all these kind of like things you have to accept, or yeah. you know, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah it, it it. But yes, when you know the practicality of it's like, nope, there's no way a person cannot exist in in like uh, in this situation in like a city like New York and and operate on 
on any level, like have a home. Um, <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, they're, they're obviously like, it's like it's magic, I guess. So. Right. That, I mean, that's, it, there's a bit of hand waving. There's like, it's magic is kind of the, the solution to everything. Um, one question I wanted, this is hypothetical, is like, could you imagine if this was a movie that came out pre-internet or pre-viral like viral nature then, where like leaks weren't a thing? Could you imagine if you went in this movie completely unspoiled, if the marketing, from what I understand, the, the, the original marketing strategy was really just framed around Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. Could you imagine if that's all you knew going into this movie and just seeing all like the villain daredevil and then all the spider-man like how how broken would your brain be after watching that film in a good way in a good way yeah it, no, i agree it would have been overwhelming on some levels like because every so often in a movie like there'll be a surprise um and you'll be kind of like you'll forget the next scene because you'll be kind of like oh my god still processing it right um i remember this is this is another like quite a different thing but um with when Maul, Darth Maul showed up in Solo, mm-hmm. that kind of happened to me. I was like, oh my God, they put him in live action again. That's amazing. And I completely blanked whatever the next scene was. Um, so I imagine No Way Home had I gone in completely blind. And I really wish I could. I I, I wish movies were just like, here's the release date. Here's the title. See you then. But I understand that like people like us are predisposed to go and that we're not who that marketing is really aimed at. Right, right. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, it's my way of uh, bringing up the rant against uh, YouTubers that are posting clips, spoiler-filled clips with thumbnails filled with spoilers. I saw a thumbnail with Tobey Maguire uh, and, you know, Spider-Man Far From Home title, like, I don't know, a few hours, 12 hours before I went to watch the movie, and it really, really pissed me off. Yep. I actually th- thought about that afterwards uh, after when I started seeing them because, yeah, my YouTube algorithm is riddled with Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. Um, it, I thought maybe, like, next time this comes around, maybe I could delete, uh, you know, to reset the algorithm because mm-hmm. uh, there is some way to do that, uh, to maybe do that a few weeks beforehand. And uh, hopefully that would help. Right. But, yeah, it's it's really frustrating. Uh Maybe YouTube moderation needs to be a bit harsher, but of course that that that's not going to happen. Right, right. If they, if they can't get the toxic content off of YouTube, then you know, Spider Man spoiler filled stuff might be pretty low on their priority list. Um, right, and it's it's like it's it's bad like camera in a theater footage. It is. Uh, it is. It's clearly someone with a cell phone in a, in a theater. Uh, it's not great. Um, I so I, lastly before we wrap this up because we're going a little long, but uh, want to talk about the. The end credits, the, well, the mid credit and the post credit scenes. Uh, the mid credit scene, we had uh, Venom. We had Eddie Brock there, uh, which admittedly, I haven't seen the latest movie, although I'm aware of that their post credit scene, which sort of like had seemingly put them into the MCU. But then they started, it seemed like they took it back, or what? Do you, what how do you interpret what happened there? And maybe kind of run through what happened there. <laughs> so basically, yeah. So. Uh, Eddie, Brock, and Venom are in the MCU in this mid-credit scene, having been transported there in the previous, in Venom Left the Recarriage's mid-credit scene. So basically it was No Way Home's mid-credit scene was a sequel to Let the Recarriage's one. Uh, but in the new movies one, uh, Eddie 
and Venom are transported back just after they've decided that they're going to go to New York and find Spider-Man. Um, but a tiny drop of the Venom symbiote stays behind and probably just continues on the trip to New York, um, which suggests like there's they could do the alien costume. Right, right. Although that would be really confusing because then would they go through the same story where... Peter gets it, and then he loses it, and then the MCU version of Eddie Brock shows up, and then they do it all over again. It's, uh, I'm assuming that's not what's going to happen, but it's, yeah, just it was an interesting and kind of confused, head scratching um, scene there. Right, I th- I feel like the cleanest thing they could have done is to just have that version of Venom stay in the MCU, and that that will be that. Right, um, and then like it gets even worse when you think about Morbius which is coming out in like January and and has elements from Spider-Man in it. And he mentions Venom in one of the trailers. Um, It's like, what universe is that in? I don't even know. Right, and Michael Keaton is in that movie as well. And he's from the MCU. And it just, that's all kinds of confusing. Uh, A little bit more clear cut though is the post-credit scene, which wasn't actually a post-credit scene. It was just like a full-on trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? What? How did you interpret that? It was cool. Uh, I guess because the multiverse and Doctor Strange stuff from No Way Home could, you know, will presumably lead directly into the next Doctor Strange movie. It makes sense. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I wasn't mad about the fact that it was a trailer instead of a scene. I would. It's probably annoying for people to say what they would have done as fans, but I think I would have preferred that those mid and post credit scenes checked in on Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man universe. Right. Right. That would've been uh, that that would've been nice to have a little bit of closure there for sure. Yeah. That's it. There, there's also something to be said for the mystery. Uh, look, it was a good trailer. I just kind of wish they just put it on the internet instead. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It, it felt like that was something that they probably will put on the internet and it's not something that is necessarily like the better worse of words special to uh to the the movie um yeah all right well we've we've definitely run over and we've got to wrap things up i did want to note that that last that that mid-credit scene with uh with eddie brock also featured danny rojas from ted lasso or the the actor who played which kind of threw me off i was like oh that's that football for life guy that's (laughs) which i don't know random i'm gonna end this with with that random observation uh, Sean, thank you for your time and for breaking this down. Uh, if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at The Daily Charge or sign up for direct text messages from me by heading to cnet.co slash Daily Charge. For The Daily Charge, I'm Roger Chang. Thanks for listening. <laughs>